Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Small Council Radio. So uh, we kind of did this, uh, put this show together. Um, I wouldn't necessarily say last minute, but uh, you know, it's so early in the morning for us uh, because our guests that uh, we're going to be having on are on the other side of the the world. So the, this is the best time for them, uh, and we wanted to you know cater to our guests because uh, we really wanted them on. Uh, but today we will be talking about the uh, finalists for the TTS World Cup. Um, we didn't really have time to uh, like announce it a lot. You know, we didn't want. Also, we weren't sure if uh, we could make it work, so we didn't want to like throw it out there. So you guys got your hopes up and got ready. You know, especially if this. You know, it was early for you as well. Uh, we didn't want you to, like, wake up for the show or something or, you know, try to, uh, you know, make time to tune in live uh, in case it didn't happen. So, you know, because no one knows about the show, uh, I'm guessing that most people are going to listen to it recorded, uh, which is completely fine. Um, but just wanted to throw that out there. That way you guys, you know, know why uh, we didn't, like, post like we normally do. But after the show's over, I'll probably throw the link everywhere like I normally do. Um, tonight we have, or I should say this morning, we have with us uh, Brett. Thank you so much for coming on. He will be uh, helping us uh, go through this uh, interview. Hey, what's up, Dave? Um, yeah, of course. Um, obviously, I'm a, um, a known TTS player. I really like TTS. Um, it's been able to kind of blend the metas from across the world together, so definitely um, definitely uh, excuse me, gosh, I'm so sorry, it's so early i don't I don't know where I was going with that <laughs> oh, definitely events like uh the faction masters that are going on right now the uh the Masters event that took the top 16 TTS players and then World Cup, they were definitely events that I wanted to participate in. Um, I've been able to participate in all of them, but in in the TTS Masters and in the final international round of World Cup, I took a <laughs> I took a first round I took a first round exit. Yeah, sometimes it just happens. Um... You know, especially because uh, it was single elimination, correct, for uh, um, yeah the last part of it. So, yeah, I mean, sometimes you can just face off against, like, either that just very talented player and or uh, a list that just kind of, you know, uh, is has an advantage on you and or uh, just sometimes dice rolls, sometimes sometimes it, it there's just so many factors especially in single elimination because you know i used to play uh a lot of card games competitively and in card games um usually you'll play like a swiss round because card games the rounds go much quicker so you're able to get let's say like five rounds in uh and then they take like the top 16 players and then you play a single elimination after that. If you win first place, a lot of times you're going like sometimes eight, nine rounds in a single day. Uh, but uh, 
long story short, you know, I totally understand like the whole single elimination aspect. Like sometimes it just, you know, sometimes it's a little bit of luck. Sometimes it's just, you know, uh, pure talent. Um, and you know, there's just lots of factors, uh, to kind of, you know, go into that. So I think, uh, something we kind of talked about before on the show, I think that matters a lot is consistency. Uh, so, you know, it's awesome when someone can win like one event, but I think over time, you know, if they, if you have a player that continuously does amazing, it really says a lot. And that goes for, you know, that goes for anyone. Yeah, I think in, in the Masters and World Cup, it's, it's definitely a real challenge because uh, a lot of times the person you've got you've got guys that um, uh, that play their certain faction. Like, generally, I think when you guys come to Indy, like, you can pretty well assume that I'm going to run Lannisters or I'm going to run Night's Watch. Those are the two armies that I have painted. Those are the two armies that I, you know, have experience with in person. But with TTS, since, you know, every model is available, including they, they allow unreleased stuff that, you know, like the dragons and mammoths and things like this that not everybody has their hands on because they're all on TTS. And then the other thing with playing on TTS is you can end up playing some lists that you might not ever see in person. For example, as the meta evolved, we started to see some lists with four and five trappers um, and things like that, that that some people probably didn't own in real life, TTS having every model available. It's just a matter of spawning the tray. So there's a different element with your list building. Like you have to prepare for literally everything because some of these higher end gamers, like uh, like our guest Andreas uh, uh, Deoxys on Discord, uh, he has a tendency to kind of play a little bit of everything. So you can never know if he's going to run Starks or is he going to run his Free Folk. Is he going to run Targaryens and Mother of Dragons? Is he going to run uh, Lannisters? You don't really know. So you have to build lists going into the big events like this. You have to build lists that can answer to a lot of things, and it can be really difficult to make kind of that perfect list that has an answer to everything. And uh, unfortunately for me, I thought I had a Stark list that, pretty much answered the Stark Mirror, Mother of Dragons, and Free Folk. Um, and I had a big lead on the Free Folk player, but I did I did make that first round exit. He made some really, really, really nice plays towards the end of the game when it looked like he just all doors for him to be able to pull off a win. Um, I even remember I specifically walked away from my computer and was giving him, like, the good game talk he was still wanting to play, so I was like, "Oh no, he's got he's got something. He's got he's got something up his sleeve." And he ended up using regroup and reform to kill his own unit, so that he could play Steyr's Vengeance and let his unit with Steyr start charging some of my dire wolves that were that I thought were safe because uh, Steyr's unit wasn't a threat at the time. And I just had to leave these cave dweller savages that had one wound 
and then use my final activation to kill that unit, and it was the end of the game. Steyer was blocked out by the cave dwellers. The dogs were safe. And then when he did that play, I never saw it coming. It was such a cool, smart play that he did. All right. It, uh, it looks like uh, we have Deoxys on with us. Uh, Brett, why don't you go ahead and uh, introduce our guest for us? Sure. This is uh, Andreas. He is best known as Deoxys. Um, he is routinely a guest on turning ground and he he is a player until recently you might have heard of him but i have actually a lot of respect for this guy and i'll let him introduce himself and tell you a lot about himself but for a while he was playing around with some of the worst factions making some of the worst lists work and i specifically remember having a conversation with mickey uh mickey from stats we were discussing him and just how good of a player he is. And I was like, well, I don't really care what his PTS rating is. I was like, this dude is one of the best players because all he does is play terrible commanders. And he's out here winning events and, and competing uh, at a high level in events with some of the worst stuff. Like if this guy plays Stark or something like that, it's going to be a big problem. But if you want to say hi and, uh, introduce yourself, let everybody know how you got into A Song of Ice and Fire and kind of how long you've been playing. Yeah, all right, no worries. Hey, everyone. Um, yeah, Andreas, so I started, what, about two two years ago, I think, now? First tournament was um, I was just being told about the game and realizing that, yeah, you just buy a box on the day and play with it because all the miniatures are already done. So, um I ended up borrowing an army. It was Starks back back in the day. Um, had the first tournament then. Didn't sort of play for a little bit after that, but got into Free Folk first. Um, and I guess contrary to the popular PTS lists, I used quite a lot of um, giant, giant players, so I'm used to that steer meta. Um... But then, yeah, with TTS, I started experimenting with all the other factions. Did, usually got beaten up by another top local at the border. I don't know if he's been on here, but um, his Starks usually smashed me. Yep, um, we've had Lockie on. Yeah. Um, but yeah, just, just time and practice. Like I, th- I think I've got the most games registered on TTS, and I've Obviously not put them all up there, but the experience helps quite a lot, just knowing the other factions. But it's also, I play the other ones more for, I want to try and make them work, just to, tr- just to try and prove everyone wrong. Yeah, I definitely... Uh... I definitely get that, and I definitely have to give anyone credit that plays like uh, you know every faction, because um, it's easy to kind of master one faction or two. Uh, to play just every faction, especially trying to play stuff and prove people wrong. Um, like I was a huge advocate back when uh, uh, Footfish was, you know, I think rated second worst commander, and I'm just it's like telling you, I'm telling you, he's he's amazing. And what do you know, you know, he just, 
I'm like I like I never lose with him in person pretty much and you know granted you know TTS is kind of a different beast and I don't really uh, unfortunately have the time to play TTS but uh you know it's just one of those things that you, I think people get this perception that certain things are just bad because they perform bad but uh you know, maybe it's, you know, and this isn't to take a dig at anyone, you know, we all have our own kind of play styles, but there are some people who just like love a commander that play them all the time, regardless if they keep losing with him. And that can kind of skew a commander's rating. If like the best players in the game aren't playing him and, you know, you have a couple diehards that aren't, you know, they just kind of like the hobby and they just like their commander. And if they keep losing with them, it's going to kind of skew that commander. But, you know, you put that commander in the hands of some of the most talented players and, you know, you're going to see much different results. Yeah, I think that's a pretty fair statement in general. Um, definitely, like you said, um the the TTS uh, the stats page in particular keeps track of all scores that are submitted. It keeps track of all results that are submitted. So definitely, with some of the lower tier commanders, um, it can be a snowball effect of uh, inexperience and and things like this that are really tanking that commander's score. Um, and then it's kind of true on the higher end as well. Um, I know it took a little while but free folks finally started to climb up the rankings and prove my theory that they are just a powerhouse army. Uh, and this happened because you had guys like uh, Deoxys here, like Mickey Mazaroth, uh, Bolton Skincare, Chris Tran started playing free folk and, and uh, it drove his score all the way up. And uh, even guys like Tom, Tom Tyler, winter is coming, started playing free folk. And now once some of these, like very high caliber players started playing with them, they ended up not only driving the free folk score up, but every single free folk commander, I think falls within the top 15 or maybe the top 20 of commanders, even Rattleshirt, who some people don't really like him, but it just goes to show how when free folk start being taken by players who aren't casual and they're optimizing these lists, I mean, they just shot right up in the rankings. They, at, at one point, they had the Starks ELO score doubled. Um, and I think they've got three or four commanders in the top ten. I think Mance, Harma, and Steyer Commander are all top ten overall commanders. So there's definitely validity to that, um, particularly with factions that, that take a high skill level to run effectively so there's definitely merit to that i i've never really seriously played them on tts uh but i know you spent some time playing around with free folk uh deoxys and i know that you had some success with them as well yeah i i mean i like i said i started with them i probably used them on tts the most initially um but uh, I just I just don't like that play style personally. I like having the big, heavy, engaging hits. 
that's what put me playing the majority of my games as uh, uh, Targaryens, actually. Just being able to try and initiate and do as much damage as I could. That passive free folk just sort of... Like, even if it was better, it just didn't do it for me. So I think playstyle still, I think, will come into it quite a lot. Yep, absolutely. And it's it's worth noting for our listeners, there's there's never any any shame for me. Um, uh, obviously, I lose tons of games, but uh, one of my one of the funniest um, stories that I tell is when I ran Mother of Dragons for that uh, wolves howling event, and <laughs> I had going into the final round, I was four and zero, and it was four crushing victories. I think I either tabled or just obliterated everybody that I had played. And then I draw you and you're, you have this six activation Jorah list and going into the game, I was like, man, this and it's fire and blood. And so I was like, well, this isn't going to be very much fun for, for Andreas because I'm running dragons and he's just got Dothraki. And then at the end of the day, I was like, well, uh, the Oxes kicked my ass with Jorah and, and Dothraki. So um, definitely goes to show that you put the time in with uh, with Targaryens and you were able to make an army that's considered not great. I mean, you play them very, very well. So Yeah, it's the... I, the thing... Part of that was because it was the was it the ELO event with the commanders? Yeah. And that really gave mm-hmm. me a chance not having the versatile star commanders. Yeah. Um, so I... They, they actually work because they have them uh, maneuverability. They don't just get countered by activations or or stark mobility. Yep. And, and trapper spam, things like this. <laughs> and double... Think, and... Vets doing double attacks really do help uh, make it easy to kill dragons. Yep, definitely. Uh, I firmly believe that that Jorah list that you were running is a very, very reliable counter to a Mother of Dragons list because um, you're very unlikely to really take out the veterans with the dragon's attack, and you can't just go up to them and, and shoot them because they can do charging volley as a counter to you. If you charge them, you're risking swift retreat, which could potentially get you D3 wounds and a charging volley. So it's a tough match, I found out. Uh, My dragons were not anywhere near as effective against the Dothraki vets and Outriders as I was used to. So uh, definitely really cool. you used the deck to your advantage and you used uh, Jorah Mormon's stubborn tenacity to really start getting those auto wounds. So this is a very, yeah, the, very the, cool game. I find that the dragons, if you can get a lot of multiple attacks off onto one dragon, you're fine. And with range on everyone, you know, 14 inch um, threat range for the for almost all your units, 
you can actually get multiple attacks off. It's when you're running a lot of melee troops that just they come in, hit you and kill you or hit you and just run off and then you can't do anything back because you're too far away. Right. Yep, absolutely. Um, we've seen Night's Watch crossbows really start to be a premier unit and uh, in 1.6 and obviously with the 2021 update on the horizon, I think everybody has put it together that Night's Watch crossbows with a watch captain is going to be very strong, but uh, oh, yeah. Night's Watch crossbows are a unit that uh, has given Night's Watch some chance against the dragons. So I think definitely ranged is a is a helpful tool against them. But uh, I guess if you're okay with it, Dave, we can kind of start to talk about his path through the qualifier and then uh, how he ended up on top table to play uh, Christopher? Uh, yeah. Uh, if maybe you want to... I wasn't able to pull it up because uh, Stats doesn't like me. Uh, it never seems to want to remember my uh, password. I was going to try to pull up your list for the uh, for the tournaments you played in. Um, would you be able to quickly run through uh, some lists, just uh, the listeners kind of have a little context. Yeah, is this the one for the regional qualifier, is it? Yeah, yeah, we'll start with the regional, if that's, if that's fine. And I, I, can, I can pull it up on stats in case you you have any trouble remembering. No, I just pulled it up there, it's, it's fine. Um, okay. Right, so we did Starks, because uh, I decided they were the guys with the best chance. Uh, we did a Howland and Rob. So the Howland list, we have Stark Outriders with the Winterfell Guardian, um, Stark Sworn Swords with Mira, Stark Sworn Swords with Brandon Hodor, uh, Stormcrow Mercs with Recon and Osha, and another Stark Sworn Sword unit. So three Sworn Swords in total, a Stormcrow Merc and Outriders, and two dogs, yeah. Uh, and then we have Howland, Varys, and Walder. Uh, that, so uh, that one was built to be the anti-mammoth, and I guess dragons as well. Anti-mammoth because, well, you, there's two main cards, I'd say. The... Um, what is it? I forgot the exact name of the card, but the one that does automatic hits. Bog um, Devil Ambush. Yeah, Bog Devil Ambush to get some initial hits off, but also the Crown Traps, the ones that slow them. Subtracting yep. two off their move and making their trample only eight is huge. Um, so we had that uh, Walder to turn off the Harmer combo that people would like usually use to get a free extra move into a trample. Um, Varus as well, just the general denial. Endless Horde, Lady Val stuff. Uh, and then Mira as well. So all that... Doubles is also anti-Stark, but it was mainly to be the anti-Mammoth thing because that's what I was most afraid of. Uh, the Rob list, on the other hand, uh, Sworn Swords with Rob, Berserkers with Brandon Hodor, uh, Bowman with Rick on Osha, 
And then my personal favourite is the Stormcrow Dervishes with the Crown Augment Survivalist. Uh, and also Arya, Sansa, and Lord Varys. Uh, so this one... There's a, there's a lot of debate, I think, on Starks for nine-point units. You've got the house... I'm a Berserkers with Brandon Hodor. Um... And uh, the Tully Cav as the two most popular ones. Most people would probably take, or were at least taking, the Tully Cav instead of the Dervishes. I like the Dervishes more because you're guaranteed that retreat and it does the wounds. So it's probably the ultimate combo to uh, Baratheons because with with the with how timings work, you can't counter charge, you can't out of the fury if you've retreated first. So you're getting that initial hit, the extra wounds on their armor that you're just ignoring. And also you're getting plus one move, so you're seven move base and you're ignoring all terrain. That's probably the best part of it is the ignore all terrain. That <laughs> with Starks just means you can go almost anywhere you like. You've got Arya top of round, you might have a swift advance, you're going to get your dev impacts. All these things just give you the control of where you want to be and where to take the engagements. Um, yeah, so those are, that, that was the lists for the games. Did you want me to go through the games, sorry? Uh, you can just... I know it's really difficult to remember the details of every game, but um, we can talk about what kind, like kind of what factions you played, um, who your opponent was, and uh, if you can remember which list you took and, and maybe why. But uh, be, I guess before we get into that, Dave, I know you're a Stark player, um, so we can kind of talk about the lists and see what your take on them is and how you feel. I know personally... Uh, like the Oxus had mentioned for for a while, you know, in the energy event, up until the last two months, I was definitely an advocate for Tully Cab with Rob Commander. I just thought it was the bee's knees. I thought it was the best thing that you could do. Uh, towards the end of it, as I started to kind of evolve and adapt to what people were running, I ended up being in the Deoxys camp where – Tully Cab, to me, while they can be really strong, I think they end up just being really strong against uh, opponents and lists that let them be strong. Um, I end up finding that Tully Cab, at their nine points, are, this is going to be a point of contention, but I think they're one of the worst nine-point choices that you can do with Starks. Um, I ended up finding that the Bran and Hodor Berserkers at nine points charge just as hard as the Tully Cav. They've got the um, static damage output that Tully Cav don't have. Tactical Regroup works just as well on them as it does with the Tully Cav. And I just ended up finding that Tully Cav were just kind of a trap. They were a nine-point unit that the enemy kind of hones in on. And when you've got that point sync without bringing the extra activation that uh, like uh, any of the start kids bring, 
it can end up getting you in trouble. And then uh, right towards the end, I've never actually played it, but I know how disgustingly effective it is, is the uh, dervishes with the Kranigman survivalist. Um, it's, I didn't want to just straight up copy <laughs> Andreas's list um, when I was going into World Cup because I wanted to run that. And uh, I ended up not doing it just because he'd had so much luck with it that I was like, yeah, I'm just going to get, I'm just going to get called out for directly copying this combo. But um, how do you feel, Dave? I know you're a star player and I don't think you've ever really been a big fan of Tully Cab, right? Um, I saw the appeal, uh, especially with Rob. Um, I want to say, Rob is almost the only time I play them anymore just because of his synergy with them. But as you were saying, you know, I feel like there's just better ways to spend your points. They are too tempting for a Walder uh, hit. That uh, And biggest thing is also in all the tournaments I've ever brought a list with one, um, there's too many times where... I see my opponent's list, and I tell myself, okay, well, I almost feel like I can't run this list because they have a Walder and they have this, and they have too many answers for my nine-point investment. And without that nine-point investment, I feel like, uh, you know, you're nine points, you know, one point away from ten points, that's a fourth of your army. Though they can be amazingly uh, effective, they could also be a complete point sink. Uh, if they aren't versatile with a Walder attached to them. As you were mentioning, like Berserkers with Hodor, same point cost, you, the Walder on them isn't at nearly as bad, in my opinion, and it's not nearly as uh, tempting to um, have them have Walder go on them, depending on what else is in your, in your list. So, I, you know, in a tournament, I don't think I ever run Tully Cav anymore. Um, I still run them from uh, here and there because, um, not to toot my own horn, but my Tully Cav look awesome. <laughs> so that's uh, a huge factor of why I uh, run them, um, like in friendly games uh, or like casual games. Uh, but yeah, I just think there's better uh, better ways to spend your points. As far as the list goes. It's hard. Uh, it's a little harder for me to relate to a lot of the TTS Stark lists, uh, just because it's a lot different than my playstyle. As I'm sure you know, Brett, I send you a lot of my lists all the time, and you're like, "That's that's pretty good," but way different than a lot of the stuff you see on uh, <laughs> TTS. Um, but I think it works for me just because it's right up my playstyle, and it's something I've played so much. Uh, that like I'm just in tune with the way I play Starks, uh, but um, yeah, it's, I mean Sworn Sword. You can never go bad with Sworn Swords and Outriders. Uh, maybe not on TTS, but Outriders, like I think in, in person games, are completely uh, underrated. Um, I think a lot of people take for granted how amazing Outriders are for seven points. Um, I find myself uh, in the cases where I had a lot of my lists had Tully Cav. I go, you know, what? I just would rather save two points, get some Outriders in there. 
use those two points and you know those two points depending on what else is in your list uh, two points in starks could mean a lot i mean that could mean brandon hodor somewhere to get you another activation ricken uh for another activation and another point still uh that's one more point away from your third ncu if you only had two to begin with two more points you could have like uh holland sansa aria and be like you know what uh let's make sansa and aria into two four pointers let's just really beef up the ncus so um i would say uh i mean the list sounds like it can definitely put a lot of work in uh and you know for anyone listening tts is kind of its own beast like it has its own meta it's got its own like you you're mashing uh the play styles of everyone around the world it kind of is its own like ecosystem i guess is the best way to put it so this is something I constantly say to you, Brett, because like when we're talking about doing uh, the indie events and what to play and what lists, and you're you're constantly talking to me about these TTS strategies, and I'm like, trust me, it's going to be different. <laughs> it's gonna, you can definitely run something uh, non-TTS meta in a like in-person tournament, even if it's big, even if it's small. Uh, it just, it's different when you have a bunch of, let's say in our case, uh, you know, guys from the U.S. who play, uh, you know, U.S. type meta. Uh, it's just, you can, it's like almost a whole new mindset. Yeah, I agree. And I, I think you've nailed it with the Outriders. And I think, uh, I think all three of us, would agree on on that point that um at the end of the day um outriders at seven points are just so point effective and so good that oftentimes they just end up being better than Tully Cab even though they don't have the lance bonus. The things that they do do, um the effect that they have on your opponent because of swift retreat uh, can just be huge. Uh, would you agree with that? I think uh, Outriders and Howland go hand-in-hand. Hand. Uh, you and Larks really both fully agree with that Outrider with Howland. Yeah, for sure, especially when you chuck in the... Um, uh, what's his name? Roderick. When you go Roderick, oh. even bigger threat. <laughs> I know that's the special locks yep. like he employed that against me, and I was scared. Yes, uh, yeah, that's a combo that has really flipped under the radar. But you mentioned Lockie, um, double order, and he's been on the show before. But I know that he is an absolute advocate for Roderick in 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 tandem with Outriders. And yeah, and Lockie does like it. the double cav too. Yeah, and he's he's done it since the beginning, and I know that he has made some people really uh, respect those outriders. But all right, so um, I didn't mean to cut you off. We kind of went off on a tangent there with Dave talking about the differences in TTS and in person and. Uh, things like this, but we can go ahead and, uh, yeah, if you just want to kind of go through who your opponents were and 
what your thoughts were with it uh, in that regional qualifier because you you made it through an incredibly tough uh, Euro circuit. Yeah, let's go, let's go through it because I ended up having to verse a lot of them later anyway again. Um, so <laughs> first game, um, Gilboula, I think. Uh, I think it was a French player. Uh, he was playing Lannisters with Gregor. Um, so not to say he's a bad player, but uh, what would be seen as a less competitive list. Um, that was the first game I ended up getting a tabling there. Um, second game was the one everyone, well not everyone I think was the I don't know, maybe, I, people would have thought it was the toughest game I guess, me against Lux known as the Stark Master the Stark Mirror Master um, in that one it's, what happened is what what Lux is known to do, he just he plays a bit too passive I think so Round one, I marched almost my entire army up. This is Dance of Dragons, so trying to contest these objectives. I'd marched my entire army up. He'd, he'd just moved back into his deployment zone. He hadn't even come out of it, moved further backwards. So round two, I ended up scoring all the points. What, two for the commander and then the two other objectives. I was up 4-0 four, four or something like that. Um, he was just trying to get the slow attrition points by um, killing my bowman. I think he did a bog devil ambush and a crano not crano traps the 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 morale test one. Um, I ended up playing threat unseen. Yeah, threat unseen. I ended up playing um, direwolves for over three times onto my um, bowman. I pulled it back once <laughs> with Sansa, and that actually worked out. That was the final thoughts of the game. Was he was just saying, yeah, good play with that. <laughs> it made you not lose that unit three times or something like that. It worked. It paid off. Um, but, yeah, in the end, I think he just played a bit too passively. And um, I scored all the points from the objectives. Uh, game three was my hardest game against uh, Tom Tyler Winter is Coming, Free Folk. He ran double mammoths. Um, it was, you know, it's... Playing against mouse is a scary game. It's just it's 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 annoying to play against and to play as them because trying to find out I've said this to Brett before, trying to figure out your move is just annoying. Um he played mm-hmm. I don't he I don't think he made any mistakes. Um it was just the mercy of the D three. He had round two or three he had some tramples where he needed to roll a two on the D three to wipe out units. Both times he rolled a one, uh, so it left me with two units that didn't die that turn, and one of those mammoths that messed up that tramble got punished, and I ended up killing that one, and I think the next one died either the next round or the turn after. Um, and when you're running those mammoth lists, when you lose both of them, you generally have lost the game. <clears throat> That's how that one turned out. Uh, game four against Victoria the Valiant and the Baratheons, who did really well to get up that high. Three games, no losses, contrary to uh, Carlo's beliefs that Baratheons wouldn't do well at all. Um, <clears throat> that's where the um, 
the Stormcrow dervishes with the survivalists really stood out. Every time I just put, so sorry, round one I just pushed straight up, marched up 14 inches, um, and round two I had a charge on um, a warden unit that just died. I charged in, uh, retreat out, do more wounds, and there's never any threat for countercharge because Brathians are slow and I've already retreated a minimum of eight inches back with my move seven, but I can reroll that retreat distance to just make it a three and make it impossible for them. That, you know, sort of turned out how you think it would stark some Brathians. All this maneuverability, <clears throat> you can never really get caught or punished for it. Uh, even those Dragonstone Nobles, they... Them being able to move after the attack, pretty handy, but the D3 wounds from the uh, Survivalist really threatens those guys. They've only got those four, and you're ignoring that two-up save. It never came into it, but the threat was there, so we just stayed away. Uh, and then finally, game five was against Maserath, and it's free folk, and if anyone watched that game... They'd, uh, they'd know the comments for uh, what's this draw for three three or four rounds I drew every single perfect card I would need <laughs> and all we had to, all we had to say me and Mickey at the end just like what 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 am I supposed to do <laughs> he, he couldn't do anything <laughs> about it I just charged all the way across the board swift swift advance devastating impacts um, what's that you, I had horse so it's I'm moving eight from my Dervisher. Um, then we've got a charge distance of eight for my base speed. Dev Impact gives me another six. So we've got a 20... <laughs> what are we on? 22 inches charge that yep. I don't even have to roll for. I just do it. <laughs> uh, on top of that, I did a per I had the perfect result. I charged into the trappers at that range. I put, left him on one wound, which meant I could still retreat and do my D3 wounds. And the retreat meant that I could come back a potential 14 inches. If I hadn't, if I'd overkilled him and actually killed him in the charge, um, I could only run back eight, and he had threats to hit me with. But yeah, I got the perfect perfect amount. He automatically dies. I've retreated back, and on top of that, I had a sudden charge in my hand. So he moved up, thinking, "Yeah, that was it," and I came back in and did it again. <laughs> um, yeah, and so that one. Again, Mickey didn't really have a chance. <laughs> that card draw is nothing he can do. Oh, geez, yeah, that that can be pretty rough. Um, that's that's kind of what we've come to understand as hashtag dark stuff. <laughs> Sometimes when that when that stuff happens, yeah, like you said, there's just nothing. There's not anything that you can do about it. The best player in the world playing another faction can't do anything about that. He had one chance. He just had to roll sixes for every save. He didn't do that. Right. So he lost. <laughs> <laughs> That's the only counterplay I can think of. Yeah, it's, it can get pretty nuts. So you went 5-0. and oh. You won the hero qualifier, which is – that's a feat in itself. Um, there are a lot of strong, strong players there. And uh, 
one of the ones uh, for me he's not he's not a dark horse because I I've known for a while that he's very very solid player but I think for a lot of people Tom Tyler is a dark horse um, he's primarily a neutral player this is winter is coming is his uh, handle on TTF um, he's just a phenomenal player and then once he once he picked up the uh, free folk and kind of gave himself more of a chance. Uh, yeah, he's just a really tough player to deal with. Yeah, I think what makes you, or makes a, a good TTS player, or just Song of Ice Fire player, really, is how many mistakes do you make in the game? And he's, for someone who hasn't played that off much, or especially of other factions, he makes very little mistakes. So he's a very good player. Absolutely. So then, uh, you obviously you qualified for the Masters round, which the the first round of Masters was um, U.S. versus Euros, and uh, so let me see. I don't remember who you drew round one, but if you want to run us through that Masters circuit, yeah, I'm just now. Okay, so I got Rowan round one, free folk. And he ran Steer, which was, right, two War Mammoths and a Giant, two trap, three Trappers. Uh, Crash the Egret, Lady Val. Um, that, was, that was a very close game, actually. I, um, I forget most of the initial stuff, but um, in that last turn, I was up something like nine or eight points to two or something like that. I, I don't remember exactly. He had one mammoth and a trapper unit left or something. Um, that mammoth was marked and he had Steer's Vengeance in hand. Uh, he ended up killing three units or some that turn and uh, with that mammoth, so it, it suddenly swung to a... I don't know, he was a point off... He needed a unit to win the game. And he had an activation ready. Um, all I had left that I could do was charge Shaggy Donkian. So I did that into the rear. He failed the morale test. And that made me... That let me char, trample him over the stakes and make that mammoth useless. And eventually win me the game. If that didn't happen, okay. if he passed that test, he would have killed that dog and I would have lost right there. So in that ton turn, he would have got eight points or something like that. Yeah, that that can happen with uh, Steyer Commander. Um, it's just really funny there with that point because when you and I were practicing my game with Malleus, uh, I did something similar to the, the mammoth that you were kind of simulating for me. I, I got him with Shaggy Dog and just marched him right onto the stakes. It was like, there you go, buddy. Yeah, have fun now. That's why I always <laughs> recommend, if you have a mammoth, put the stakes down. You, in case you get that that trigger off, you put them on there and they're, oh, they're, not, they're not having fun. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, right, second game. Uh, it was against Masarath again. So once again, 
versus Mickey. He ran free folk again. Um, this is also another interesting one. Um, and again, I <laughs> some people might say I had perfect card draw. It was very, very convenient. It was pretty. It was a long round one. People might have said it was about forty-five to maybe an hour for round one. A lot of fiddling around until the last activation. In that last one, I Dev Impact charged a Trapper unit. Um, got 12 hits. I had a Dev Impact uh, Brand Hodor using a skin changing attack, and the Berserkers got however many hits. Uh, he failed every save. He then played. Final strike, which meant for every wound he took, I had to take a save back. So I had 12 saves to take. I passed one. <laughs> so I killed the unit, four, my four-point enemy unit, but I was left on one wound. Um, I, was per- I did this because I was perfectly set up to flank charge him next turn. I, I thought, ah, oh, he won't do that many wounds to me, even if he has final strike. He put it to a level where if I just wanted to charge, he'd automatically kill me with another trapper unit that was in range. I had round two, first turn of round two. I drew the one winter is coming that I needed. And because of that, um, we just went into the flank of the mammoth with 10 dice and D3 from Brown Hodor and one shot the mammoth. And... It was all. It was pretty much game then, all because of that very lucky uh, winter is coming draw. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, right, round three. I had the first larks again. Um, again, still called the master of the Stark Mirror. I did manage to win again, though. Um, it was a pretty even game until about round two or th- uh, about round three. He had a very good, a lot of planning from Larks. Um, he's he's known for his precision movements, and he really one one important move he did was a a combo he really likes. Uh, it's the uh, what is it? Crown Augment Trappers, uh, Trackers, sorry, with the Warden, and Aya. So at the top of a round, before you've done anything, he can make a move and shoot you. He positioned it in such a way that he nullified almost every charge. He just made one mistake and forgot about my shift potential. And that shift let me get a unit in charge. Um, and that that was a pivotal moment there. Um, but what it really came down to was my berserkers being in the center of the board, holding an objective. Um, this was Game of Thrones, so ranks were needed to contest. He charged my berserkers with... Uh, some Tully Sworn Shields. He did a wound. 
Um, so I stayed on 11 wounds, still holding the objective. He then got a flank charge with, with Stark Outriders. He made one hit. I passed the save and didn't lose anything. And uh, that turn, because of his failings of all these hits, um, again, I edged ahead because I think he was a bit too passive. Um, and then finally we had the finals. Um, me versus Tobo, first game. Here we stand. Absolute worst mission I think I could verse Mother of Dragons in. You know, if anyone already hated Mother of Dragons and hated dragons, this mission, they come back to life. So all your hard work and you spend killing one of them and he just brings it back. <laughs> um... I don't know, there's not much for me to say I, I couldn't I killed one He just brought it back though And This mission really favours I think um, High point units um, And resilient units Free folk in this mission If you if you start losing Two or three units per per round You lose the points on field to be able to contest the zones and get you victory points. Having big expensive ones is what you need because it doesn't matter if you're on one wound. You just need to be there and alive to contest or, or provide points towards something. Um, and dragons, especially with the cards that you can bring them back, um, really, really help you with that. Um, so, yeah. Got smashed in that one. 11 points to four. Second game, yeah. thought I might have a better chance. Feast for Crows, so I would still consider this a mission that has advantage for the dragons, mainly because of that, the corpse piles bringing me down that extra minus one. A piece of terrain he doesn't have to place, so he can put other things he might want. Um, in this one, I sort of felt... Um, like Mickey did, Masarath in our free foot game, he made a mistake, a pretty big one. Um, he let me charge in the side of a dragon with the dervishes, so he had minus one to his save. Um, I had northern ferocity, so I made it a six-up save. And winter is coming, so he couldn't play his defensive card. I did six wounds. Um, then came the retreat, I retreated, and then it was D3, how many wounds can I do to this dragon that has two wounds left? I rolled a one! <laughs> um, and then after that, the whole plan sort of fell apart. That, that dragon didn't die, my unit got absolutely trashed, then the dogs died, overruns came out, and yeah, my army just fell apart after that one. So I... I felt like, yeah, this, this move didn't work. Now I lose the game. I, could, I tried to capitalize on the mistake, but didn't roll well enough and got punished for it. Uh, yeah, <laughs> that was it. After that, I had no chance of coming back. Well, I think I, I've gotten a message from uh, Tabo that he's going to be joining us, but... Uh, 
before we get to him, um, we'll probably just have him do a really quick summary of his list. And uh, But before we get to him, I've got to ask you. I, I told Dave we were going to talk about this. Um, in the battle of the, I guess, the NPE kind of meta, um, who are you putting as the biggest defender in 1.6? We're, we're close to putting 1.6 in the rearview mirror. Uh, we've got one. Uh, we've got 2021 on the horizon. Um, who is your biggest defender in 1.6 for uh, the negative play? Is it Mother of Dragons, Dark, Free Folk? Oh, okay. That's a yeah. that is a tough one. I think it depends who who you'd be using, but. Maybe for an overall one. Yeah, I think overall it's probably MOD. Yeah, it's it's. For the, Honestly, I think I, I, for the more casual players, it's probably going to be um, Melisandre, though. Yeah, that's pretty fair. Um, I played Dave in the final round of our indie event and just kind of like yeah. he said, you know, um, got in my head. It, my yeah, head. His point, his point, <laughs> his point has merit because Melisandre kind of disappeared from competitive TTS <clears throat> play just because, um, you know, so many starts and, and, and things like this that just don't care. You know, uh, Melisandre does what she does and then the starts can just come across the field and one-shot the units that she's sacrificing. But in person, um, I wasn't exactly prepared for Melisandre. But for me personally, it's really tough. I, I want to say for me that it's free folk simply because the the Stire NCU and the Trappers doing so many auto wounds, it essentially um, – just nullifies some of those elite units that can kind of stand up to Stark. But I think even with that said, at the end of the day, for me, it's it's Mother of Dragons and it's Mammoth with Steyr Commander because they make so many builds and they, they, make, they make the game so difficult to play. You can't even play the game the way you want to play it. You can't charge a Mammoth in the front. Um, unless you have, like, a winner is coming or a way to stop cards. And with Mother of Dragons, it's similar. If you don't have winners coming to charge a dragon or you don't have a counterplot or a Tyrion, you just you can't even play the game. And both of yeah. those builds essentially completely remove Lannister and Baratheon from competitive play. And if you're taking an entire faction out, then something is just kind of wrong. So for me, Mother of Dragons, Mammoth with Stire Commander, uh, take my cake for biggest NPE. Yeah, so because they just... No. They change all the the standard rules of the game, I think. Yeah, basically. Well, now that... They ignore... Go ahead. I was going to say, uh, and to kind of, before we move on, to end on, I guess more of a you know, hopeful note. Um, Deoxys, what would you say is kind of the light at the end of the tunnel? And by that, I mean, out of everything you've seen so far released for uh, 
1.7 what kind of I wouldn't say what looks the most fun to play or this that what gives you the most hope that like um, you've seen a change that you've seen that makes you think okay you know anything that we kind of saw before that was like too good uh, you know now you know I have hope that you know Simon is you know they're really taking our feedback and they're really kind of you know taking that step to you know, really try to fix uh, anything that's kind of glaring. So we haven't seen dragons or mammoths yet, the two biggest offenders, and knights, watch crossbowmen aside with that watch captain combo. The, the thing I like most is attachments being useful and looking good. And I think still the the decks. I think the decks are a lot more balanced now. A lot of people will still say the Targ one is probably strongest, but I think all the decks are pretty well balanced personally. And I think everyone everyone can make a list now and use it. There's none. Of, I don't think there'll be any more of this. You can't use this faction in high-tier play because they just can't compete. I think everyone can compete now. So the gaps between factions are really slim, come a little slimmer. You can use everyone, and I think that's the best part. Yeah, I think that's a great point. Um, I would say, yeah, I I feel like um, from what we've seen, uh, you know, because... You would say like Starks and Free Folk are just so high up on the ceiling of potential and some of the other factions, unless you build like very specific lists, are more at the bottom end of that spectrum. But now from what we've seen, it it looks like there's, you know, in any game, you know, there's still going to be kind of somewhat of a rank, but the gap is going to definitely like the ceiling and the floor are going to come much closer together. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Brett, uh, so what? Uh, where did you want us to do next after after that? Uh, have we got Have we got uh, Tabo on yet? No, uh, not yet. Okay. Um, well, I guess we can go into. Um, what I'm looking forward to in 2021, uh, obviously with, with no spoilers, but uh, I think both of you have pretty well nailed a couple of the things that I like the best. Um, the rework deck, it really feels like they down some of the biggest defenders. It looks like um, with the change to Swift Advance, obviously we know at this point it's Swift Reposition, which is just a shift and at most a three-inch maneuver. I think just that card change alone really, really puts the Starks back down to earth. Um, Obviously, Deox is going over his game. That 22-inch charge with no dice roll even needed, you just play the two cards and (laughs) teleport over there. (laughs) There's nothing that they can do about it. Um, I think just those two just that change with, with Swift Advance really, really helps because with Starks, 
you know, you know when you're playing against cavalry that they can get across the board. But with Starks, you, you want to advance. You want to start to get towards the tokens. But in the, in the current 1.6, you know, you're staring down berserkers or whatever unit it is, and you're like, well, if you've got a swift advance, I guess you can move 20 inches. Am I safe? I don't really know. <laughs> so it can really change the way that you want to play. And with their ability to get across the board so quickly and then get a jump on you at the end of a round and then start around with the swords currently, I mean, that's where the strength of the Starks is. It's the end of turn, start of turn. And it feels really hopeful with the tactics deck change and the loss of sudden charge as well. I mean, you still have um, assault orders, but the Starks are requiring the sword to make the free charge. So that's, that's another thing in 1.6 that's a big problem. I'm of the opinion that three NCUs feel so mandatory because when you're playing against Starks, if you've only got two and they've got the crown open, they can just march up on you and sudden charge you at the end of the round. Doesn't look like that's going to be as viable or a thing in 2021. A, they don't have the swift advance to make that, to close that gap so quickly, and then they can't just assault orders you off of the crown and charge you at the end of a round. So I'm very hopeful two NCUs could be valid um, if somebody wants to build a list that way. I know a lot of people really don't like running three NCUs. They just feel like they have to. So even if they've made two NCU as a viable option, then I think that it's a, a huge step in the right direction. And I think the uh, some of the elimination of just being able to teleport across the board like that and get in position to strike you and double tap you starting in the next round is going to be a big, big change. Yeah, I mean, I'd agree. Uh, it's nice to see a lot of the new stuff. You know, you're going to have to be a lot more honest with trying to, because the potential to, like, completely obliterate units, I think is still going to be there, but in a much more controlled capacity, and it's not going to be just like these auto combos. Um, you're really going to have to figure out ways to do it in maybe not every single case and every single with every unit and every faction, but I think uh, it's going to be the rule and there's obviously exceptions to the rule, but it'll, uh, it'll definitely be interesting to see uh, how it kind of shapes out. And I've mentioned this before, but even just the, you know, NCUs going to four, five, six, no free ones, no uh, NCU commanders, uh, Three NCU lists going to definitely still be very viable, but you're going to have to be a lot more honest about uh, sacrificing on the field than you did uh, before. You're really going to have to, you know, because the minimum you're going to have to spend to get those three NCUs is 12 points, as far as we know. And, uh, you know, 12 points, it's a big investment, but uh, depending on how your your playstyle is, how your list is, I mean, that's still completely doable. There's people that do it uh, currently. Um, there's people that currently spend you know 13 points on NCUs and it works. Uh, but you can't just. I feel like you just you can't run three NCUs by spending you know six seven points anymore 
uh, and then still have this huge force on the field. Yeah, I, I think I think the other thing for me, and, and with the point of the three NCU, with the loss of sudden charge, and again, I'm, I'm kind of picking on these uh, this sudden charge card because let's be honest, it's always been a meta-defining card. It's always been just one of those cards. It's like, oh my god, any spot on the board, and they can make a free charge. Um, with that being so toned down. Um, me personally, my argument for running two NCU is I'm just not afraid of the crown. And unless you're playing against Lannisters and they've got, you know, Cersei for Hear Me Roar, Joffrey, and Fealty to the Crown, it can be a really scary crown bomb. But just in general, I'm just not afraid of the crown. Uh, obviously, I play Night's Watch and we know that they've got that morale boost across the board. But even if I'm playing like, uh, you know, poor fellows with Lannisters or if I'm playing, you know, Starks or, or whatever the case may be, how scared am I of D3 wounds? Is is taking the crown away from my opponent with my third NCU worth a potential D3 wounds from the crown? No. I think I think that's the biggest thing for me. Um, Starks aren't so I, off the crown. Why, why do I care about the panic test? For me, the four points, Adding either beefier, either beefing up my units with attachments, or you've you've seen that the six six point to eight point a six point unit versus an eight point unit is, I mean, it's huge. Uh, you're looking at sentinels upgraded to stagnites if I'm playing Baratheon. That difference yeah. between six points and eight is so massive that for me, I would rather spend my four points instead of a third NCU either adding a really nasty attachment or just upgrading those units to the elite units because it looks to me like elite units are going to be, I mean, they're going to be the bee's knees, right? It's maybe, it's maybe the meta will shift to less about activation and more about quality of activation. And if that's the case, if you're spending 12, 13, 14 points even, we've seen a six-point NCU, on those NCUs, I don't think you've got the board presence to make things happen the way that you can in 1.6 because they've focused everything so much on playing the mission, getting commanders on objectives. Um, I just, uh, I think you can win the game without tabling your opponent. So, on on the flip side of that, though, I think uh, the two-list format is going to be even more important now, though, because uh, I think a lot of people are going to be in the same boat as you, Brett, with the whole two NCUs. And I think uh, my list, I probably have one list with two and one list with three just because of, uh, uh, you know, I am from all the games I've been able to play so far with what's revealed. Um, I mean, granted, when it all drops, who knows if my strategy will still work with what I've been able to test. But um, Walder in a 3NCU list, when your opponent only has two, I know I've mentioned it before on here, it is crazy good if your opponent doesn't need or want the crown. Uh, I played, uh, without giving out too many spoilers, with uh, I played Chris uh, Tran, uh, we did a 1.7 with whatever we had revealed, and he ran two NCUs, and I ran three, one with Walder, and he had to constantly take the crown when he didn't want or need it 
because he was playing neutrals. Uh, and when I'm up an NCU or yeah, an NCU, and he is, you know, down one and forced to take the crown so that I don't take first uh, turn every round. And even if he takes the crown, I still get a free attack every round with Walder. Uh, it's it's huge, um, but that could backfire. If your opponent has three NCUs and you have three, that's why I bring up the two list part. Um, you, if your opponent, uh, only time I would run th- my three NCU with Walder is if my opponent's three NCU also had Walder, because then I at least know that uh, they won't get their Walder uh, on every other turn, uh, every other round. If they have three NCUs and none of them is Walder, then I know not to take my Walder list. Um, but yeah, that's just kind of something I wanted to add in there. Um, we'll give, uh, our other guests a little extra time while we wait. Uh, Deoxys, how do you kind of feel about, uh, what we had just, uh, discussed with the three NCUs, two NCUs? Yeah, I think I agree with Brett a lot of time here with, uh, you're not really too worried about the crown zone. It's d three. Wounds at most, uh, three wounds at most if you fail it. Uh, and I, again, prefer to spend that on units than on NCU. Attachments, especially most in the test games I've played with what's been revealed, I, I always put in, I want attachments in every unit because I think they're all, they always add a lot, a lot of explosive power. Especially even in the free folk one I did, um, using, what is it, uh, not bone, followers of bone. I'm always putting in that champion of bone because he just, the synergy is so much better now. In 1.6, so they were sort of, I felt like they were sort of, yeah, they can help out a bit. Now, the, to me, they feel like, yeah, it really changes up the unit a lot, buffing everything. Yeah, so I'm. I mean, I'm. I'm sure everyone listening is super excited. I'm super excited. Can't wait for the card packs to finally drop, and so we can just, you know, full dive into 1.7. Uh, I already think this is like the best tabletop game out there, and it's it's always amazing to see something great, no matter what it is, and you know, you you don't think that it can get that much better, and um, and somehow they still find a way to, uh, you know, at least surprise me with some of the things that they're able to come up with and change about the game to just make it even better. Um, but with that, I think we can kind of close out uh, the show. Unfortunately, our other guest uh, will not be able to make it on. Um, maybe we'll try to have them on as a guest for another show and another topic, but maybe kind of squeak in uh, a little interview at the beginning um, of maybe our next show or something or maybe something that works with them but uh, we'll keep uh, everyone posted Uh, again I apologize uh, that we didn't like um, promote this episode the way we normally do it was sort of last minute and uh, I just didn't want to have everyone you know try to tune in uh, to it live and you know worst case it not uh, not happen or something Um, but as usual, you'll be able to find it on any of the platforms that we uh, upload to. Um, 
uh, and we'll be doing our uh, normal schedule. I believe our next show will be uh, not next Tuesday or this coming Tuesday, depending on how you see it, uh, but the Tuesday after. And I believe we're going to be talking about Baratheons unless, like, Simon drops something uh, big uh, between now and then. Uh, I want to congratulate uh, Deoxys, uh for your run. Uh, it's, you know, even though I said, you know, TTS is kind of its own meta, its own thing, it's still, you know, regardless if it's in person, if it's on TTS, we're all playing, you know, the same game. It might vary a little bit, but it's still, it's still, you know, you're playing against uh, what we can only assume is the best people in the world, you know, that are amazing players. And, you know, you made it all the way to the finals uh, and, you know, did as well as you did. And uh, with some stuff that people would say is unorthodox uh, or, you know, stuff that they might not use and you're able to just kind of master it. And, you know, I want to just congratulate you on your, your run through both, both events. Yeah. Thanks, man. And thanks for having me on the show. Yeah, of course. And then Brett, uh, did you have anything before we, uh, um, like officially close out? No. Um, I just want to echo what you're saying. Um, a big congratulations to, to you, Deoxys. Like I said, for a long time, I've, uh, it's no secret. I talk to Mickey and Carlo a lot. We talk about, um, you know, the stats, and we talk about players, and we talk about the meta. And you've been definitely on my radar and their radar for a while as a very strong player. So I can't say I was surprised that you picked up Starks and, and punished people with them. Um, and then furthermore, I'm really looking forward to the full release of 2021. I'm very curious to see uh, the gears turning in your head, and I want to see some of these combinations that you come up with. Uh, I could see you being the master of <laughs> five, six activations. Somehow you're going to make, like, an 11-point combo or a, a something insane, and it's going to be just ridiculous. So I'm looking forward to seeing how you use some of these new tools and just how far you push this kind of elite thing that we're seeing emerge with Nightwatch being pure elite. And we haven't seen some of the other factions really, really elite units. So I'm very curious to see what you come up with. Yeah, me too. Just waiting for that release. <laughs> yeah, with that said, um, thank you so much for coming on. Uh, you know, we love doing coverage of, like, the big, you know, bigger events, uh, and I would say this is probably the biggest event, um, you know, for TTS that's ever been. Uh, you know, it wasn't easy to even, you know, because you had to qualify to even get in. And then, you know, single round elimination, you know, that's always a beast in itself. Um, you know, and we we definitely, you know, want to spotlight, uh, especially, you know, TTS, you know, it's an amazing tool, especially uh, right now with everything you know, kind of winding down and going on, uh, you know, it's awesome that we can still have a way to get this, uh, you know, to get games in and, you know, kind of 
hone our skills. Uh, but again, thank you so much for coming on. Um, for those that have not seen it, I believe they posted Gen Con uh, will be mid-September, uh, and it will be in person, and everything looks like it's all good to go, and they'll be taking the precautions needed. I'm hoping by September, you know, things are a lot more lenient uh, than they currently are, but we'll see uh, how, you know, the data shows and all the stuff going on. Uh, but if you have not seen it, definitely go check that out. I don't know if you can pre-order yet, but at least uh, you can mark it on your calendar. I know I will be going. I will be there every single day. Uh, and I will be not only doing the events, but making a lot of extra time for pickup games. So if you're someone who is going to fly in or whatever, you know, if uh, once we know if we're going uh, or you know, that it's officially happening and we can purchase our tickets and you know you're going, you know, hit me up on uh, Messenger and I'll be able to maybe schedule uh, some pickup games with you guys. Uh, but, yeah, with that said, uh, thank you all for, you know, tuning in for this uh, last-minute show. This is the Small Council Radio, and it is dismissed. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.